Today I am speaking on the love of Christ and I, I was thinking to myself that um, we hear a lot about the love of Christ and I've been praying about how to share this with you and so I'm going to be trying a few different things this morning okay and I need some technology which is why Tim is helping me <laughs> um, in um, Ephesians so the passages that I'm going to use today are mainly in Ephesians although I am going to refer to one other passage but by way of introduction, in Ephesians 5, there's a whole thing about uh, wives and husbands. But it goes on, just after the bit about when it says about husbands love your wives, it talks about just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, thank you, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And then it goes on to say to present her, the church, to himself as a radiant church. And that phrase, washing with water through the word, I want today to feel like a kind of a washing um, or a soaking. Maybe soaking might be better. It's not, the focus isn't on, I don't think you lot are clean, <laughs> all right? It's about, you know how sometimes it's just wonderful to have a soak in the bath, or maybe you're a shower person, and so, you know, having a, a shower on a, a hot day is something that really kind of makes you feel good. So I want, that's the approach that I want to take today, that what we look at is a way of you either soaking in the bath or taking a shower, and I'm hoping that you're going to feel good after we've looked at these different passages, okay? So it's the love of Christ, and to start off with, I'm going to play a song which some people will know, which is about the reckless love of God. And while you're listening to this song, I want you to do two things. Firstly, while you're listening to it, I want you to thank God for the experience of God's love that you have had up to today. And then the second thing that I want you to do while you're listening to this is I want you to ask him to reveal more of his love in you. Okay, so I'm going to ask Tim to play the video. We're just going to sit and listen to it. If you want to sing, that's entirely up to you. You don't need to worry about the pictures.
today is continuing our, our series of looking in Ephesians and we're kind of taking it a bit thematically which is why I've got some some different references so I this is why I want to I'm focusing on the word and if you want the references they should be on the screen if you can't see them so this one is Ephesians cha uh, chapter 2 verses 4 to 5 because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. That is true for each one of us, because of his great love for us. It's by grace you have been saved. I wanted to share along with that passage from Ephesians, a bit of a video from the Alpha series. Now we're not sure that we're actually going to be able to make it work and if we can't make it work, Tim is familiar enough of, of this uh, man's testimony to be able to um, share it for us. Is it not working? No. Okay. It would be far too much of a distraction to start. So I, I thought I'd just share. This is Graham C. Graham C was an amazing astonishing guy who um, grew up in the northeast and uh, his father was an incredibly abusive man uh, uh, he beat and raped his mother repeatedly all through his childhood um, he was his father was an alcoholic as well and as he moved into his teens brown moved into the same stuff became very violent very aggressive very difficult and um, one quote that I remember so vividly um, his mother used it and he said, she said to him in his teens you are worse than your father you are a son of Satan now if I have your mother say those words to you he, he just went over the edge he became even worse he became a football hooligan and uh, drinking drugs were his way of life. He shows in the testimony um, how his face is all cut 
from the violence that he went through. He used to use bottles and knives on people. He stabbed people. He was a very violent man. And um, I think he may have spent some time in prison, but I don't remember that bit. But it came to a point in his life where he suddenly found himself sitting on a park bench um, and some Christians were walking down the high street in the park. They came up to him and said to him, do you know how much Jesus really loves you? Now you think, oh, that's the beginning of a marvelous story, but actually what happened was he got up and chased these Christians away. He literally, you know, threatened them. But they kept coming back. Over six months, they kept coming back and sharing the love of God with him. However, he wasn't really listening and um, he became worse, very, very ill. He didn't realise it, but he was he was actually putting his body through terrible things. And um, he was taken into hospital, he was found collapsed. And they took him into hospital and they thought he was, they, they actually said, the surgeons, the doctors had said, there's nothing else we can do, we're going to switch off the machines. His mother was there, there was absolutely nothing they could do, he was dying. There was absolutely nothing else they could do. Um, his body was riddled with addiction and drugs and alcohol and really everything. And um, outside, in the hospital corridor, the Christians stand up. It's amazing. And they, his brother was outside and they talked to him and they, so his brother came in and spoke to his mother and said, there's these Christians outside, they want to pray. Well, what good's that going to do, she said. What good's that going to do? Well, they might as well. So she let them come in. And uh, these Christians laid hands on this guy. And he woke up. I mean, this is, this is on an official video, you know, I mean, there's, there's background source stuff, you can check it. This guy woke up. Absolutely fine. Nothing wrong. You know, I mean, it was a, a, a total miracle. And he felt completely different. He felt no anger. He didn't have any of the rage or anything. And he was invited to go on an Alpha course and went on an Alpha course and he gave his life to Jesus. And he now runs Alpha courses in prisons and he runs Alpha courses all the time. And he goes out talking about Jesus wherever he goes. And with a what? You, you kind of almost see it there. There's an amazing smile that comes when he's sharing. He's just so full of the love of Christ that has freed him. It's just an astonishing testimony of Ramsey. Thank you. I wanted to include that because of the passage that we were looking at, because it talks about the great love for us when we were dead in transgressions and I you know if you get a chance we'll see if we can get a link to this he was horrible he was horrible um, but um, you know God loved him and he was able to receive that love and it it transformed his life 
The next passage I want to look at actually is in Ephesians chapter 1 and it says this, that in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So this is about us being part of God's family and how that was always the plan. And I want us, I'm going to read to you the story of the prodigal son because I felt that this kind of fitted in here. This is where your post-it note's going to come in handy, okay. I was a bit, like when Julie shared, I'm like, mm, okay. So I want, I'm going to read this story to you. Um, I'm, I'm actually reading it from the Good News Bible version. And when I've read it to you, I want you to write down the one word that stands out for you in what I'm going to, to read. I'm not going to ask anybody to bring it out the front or anything, but I want you to listen to the story. Hear the heart of Father God who loves you and pick out the word that stands out. So this is Luke chapter 15. Jesus went on to say, there, once, there was once a man who had two sons. The younger one said to him, Father, give me my share of the property now. So the man divided his property between his two sons. After a few days, the younger son sold his part of the property and left home with the money. He went to a country far away where he wasted his money in reckless living. He spent everything that he had. Then a severe famine spread over that country and he was left without a thing. So he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him out to the farm to take care of the pigs. He wished he could fill himself with the bean pods the pigs ate but nobody gave him anything to eat. At last he came to his senses and he said, all my father's hired workers have more than they can eat and here I am about to starve. I will get up and go to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against God and against you. I'm no longer fit to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired workers. So he got up and he started back to his father. He was still a long way from home when his father saw him. His heart was filled with pity and he ran, threw his arms around his son and kissed him. Father, the son said, I've sinned against God and against you. I'm no longer fit to be called your son. But the father called his servants. Hurry, he said, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. Then go and get the prize calf and kill it and let us celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead, but now he is alive. He was lost, but now he has been found. 
So if you want to just think for a minute which, which bit of that really stands out for you and just make a note of it. It can be more than one word, but just which bit touches you? Okay, the next bit of Ephesians that I want us to look at is in Ephesians chapter 5, and this is verse 1 to 2. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Walk in the way of love. Dearly loved children, walk in the way of love. And I thought when I was thinking about this passage that I would like you to hear some modern day testimonies of people who have attempted to walk in the way of love. So these are actually testimonies that all relate actually to the Second World War. They're just from Europe, um, but each one I think speaks for itself. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was hanged in a concentration camp at Frossenberg on the 9th of April 1945 because of his participation in the Protestant resistance movement and the failed plot to assassinate Hitler. Although the charge against him was political, his resistance grew directly from his understanding both of the Bible and the nature of the church. He died because he acted on those Christian beliefs. In her profile of Bonhoeffer, journalist Mary Craig highlights the central question posed in his book, the book called The Cost of Discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple of Christ in today's world? Bonhoeffer's response was, discipleship demands a total response. Lip service or mere question or mere membership of a church would not be enough. Quoting from the book, Craig adds, the victory over hatred, which the cross represents, is the lifelong task of the Christian. And to achieve it, it is not enough to pay lip service to Christ or to declare oneself a member of the church. Such love as this can only be the fruit of grace, that grace which must be sought for and which costs us everything. Such grace is costly because it costs a man his life and is grace because it gives a man the only true life. Thank you, Hilary. Brian? This is an account of a man by the name of Maximilian Kolb. He actually died when he was 47 years old. Maximilian Kolb was a Polish priest who died as a prisoner 16770 in Auschwitz on 14th of August 1941. He was arrested in February 41 by the Gestapo for sheltering refugees. And these included 2,000 Jews that he had sheltered in the monastery he had founded near Warsaw. 
On the 25th of May, he was transferred from the local prison to Auschwitz concentration camp. When a fellow prisoner escaped from the bunker that they shared, the Nazis selected 10 others to be killed by starvation in reprisal for the alleged escape. One of the 10 selected to die was a man called Francis Gujalwinech and began to cry, my wife, my children, I'll never see them again. At hearing this, Maximilian Kolb stepped forward and asked to die instead in his place. And his request was granted. Kolb and three of the others survived two weeks of starvation. They were then executed by lethal injection. Kolb was canonized by Pope John Paul II on the 10th of October 1982 and in the presence of that particular event was Francis Gujawinik, the man whose place he took and was still alive. Thank you, Brian. Um, this is the, um, the Boone family. <clears throat> there is no pit so deep that God love, sorry, God's love is not deeper still. When Betsy Ten Boone spoke these words to her sister Corrie, both women were prisoners in the infamous Ravensbrück concentration camp located near Berlin, Germany. Betsy died there. She was 59. God will give us the love to be able to forgive our enemies, Betsy told her sister before she died. Corrie admitted later that <coughs> she found those words difficult to believe. The Ten Boom family lived in Harlem during the Second World War, putting their Christian faith into practice. They made their home a refuge for people in need. Jews, members of the Dutch underground resistance movement and other fugitives from the Nazis. An estimated 800 lives were saved by the family. But on the 28th of February 1944, they were betrayed. In the Gazalpo raid, Betsy and Corrie were arrested together with their father, Caspar, Corrie's brother, William, <coughs> sister Nolly and nephew Peter. Four Jews and two underground workers remained undetected in a hiding place behind a false wall. The four Jews were taken later to new safe houses and three survived the war. One of the underground workers was killed during the war years but the other survived. Corrie and Betsy spent ten months in their different prisons. Ravensbrück was the last. Betsy grew steadily <coughs> weaker and died on the 16th of December 1944. Some of her last words to Corrie were, we must tell them what we have learned here. We must tell them that there is no pit so deep that he is not deeper still. They will listen to us. Corey, because we have been here. 
Due to a clerical error, Chloe was released from Raven's book one week before all women her age were killed. She left Germany vowing never to return, but later was invited back on a speaking engagement. Her first talk was on forgiveness. Suddenly, as she was speaking, she saw one of her former prison guards sitting in the audience. At the end of her talk, he approached her with a beaming smile. How grateful I am for your message, Fräulein, he said. To think that, as you say, he has washed my sins away. Taking his hand when he stretched it out towards hers, says Corey, was the hardest thing she had ever had to do in her life. But she says, as I look his hands, the, more, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder along my arm and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him. While into my heart sprang a love for this stranger and that almost overwhelmed me. And so I discovered when he t tells us to love our enemies, he gives along with the command, the love itself. Thank you very much. Thanks, that was a bit of a long one, that one. Just wanted to give you those modern day examples of people who've um, expressed, they've walked in that way of love and they've given themselves for somebody else. Um, the last passage that I want us to look at is Ephesians 3, 17 to 19. And that says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of Christ. I mean, that's a, just a mind-boggling statement, isn't it? That we would be able to grasp, you know, how wide, how deep, how high. We'd be able to grasp all of that uh, about the love of Christ. Um, and to know that... And, and to be filled. Now, I don't know about you, we, we can't... <laughs> I think if we were filled with all that, we'd go bust, wouldn't we? <laughs> we'd be like one of those movies, you know, when um, the baddie's being infected with something and suddenly the body kind of explodes, only it would be all the good stuff. <laughs> um, but the more that we know how much God loves us, and how important that love is in our life, the more that we will be changed by that love. And so um, I want to bring um, our time to an end. This is a message in a bottle. Now, we know, you know, we've heard, haven't we, over the years, how different people have put messages in bottles and then they've chucked them in the sea and all sorts of different adventures and things. Okay, so this is a message in a bottle to you. And what it says is, because you won't be, I can tell you, unless you're gonna have tweezers, you're not gonna get them out. <laughs> okay, but hopefully what you can actually see is 
I pray that and you should be able to see the love of God in the red writing and you've got the Bible reference underneath. I've had to be a little, um, I've had to edit a few words to make it work, all right? So it basically says that, um, I think it says, I pray that you will be able to grasp how wide, how deep, um, how high and how deep is the love of Christ. So basically it's, it's the red bit, okay, that's, that's in there. Um, I wanted to, to give you that message in the bottle and then you can place it somewhere, but to know that that love of Christ, it's for you. And um, the love of Christ is at work in your lives. And as you love yourselves and love your family and love your neighbours, so you will be expressing that love of Christ that is at work in your life.